the only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. She said that every living creature on Earth dies alone. Hey. It's bad dog Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. I'm not The more you know who you are and what you want, the less you know. Things upset you. I've had a rough year, Dad. You want an unwritten life? I want an unwritten life. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be. I think you just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. Conversation anyway. Alright, that should be better. No, no, it's great. Okay. And you can probably hear my fan because I got it on high, but I don't know. I guess I'm going through menopause because I'm freaking hot today. <laughs> I'm Fair enough. Cold every other day. So everybody at work is always like, how do you wear a jacket every day? I'm like, I don't know. Eight months of chemo. My internal thermometer is just completely fucked. So if the wind blows hard, I'm like, holy shit, I'm cold. So it's that kind of week. Uh, <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. Um, my, mostly it's just been me frustrated with this this dude that I'm quote unquote training. So. Yeah, I'm having some work frustrations too, but half my team listens to podcasts so on the off chance anyone's shadow listening to this. I'm just not going to go there. Uh, yeah. Uh, nobody, uh, I don't think anybody that I work with listens to anything I do. Don't even listen to me at work, so, you know. Although my boss thinks it's amusing. So, like, when I just, like, go at this dude, like, just mm -hmm. giving him shit, he's just like, this is so awesome. <laughs> So he, uh, today, like the thing I just couldn't let go was, and I, I guess I can leave this in. Um, it's so stupid. <clears throat> he was covering for somebody who was out sick. So he was doing their job and I'm kind of like a resource person. So I'm there to just help anybody do what they need to do on top of my regular job duties. Unfortunately, I work with a group that's pretty well put together. So generally by 12 o'clock, I have absolutely nothing to do. So, um, but anyway, he, he said, I'm going to add you to this email because there's something going on and I need your help with it. Okay. So he forwards me the email <clears throat> and puts my name in it and just says adding Logan. Well, I'm the only person on the email then. Mm -hmm. Not the nine other people that need to be involved. Right. So I'm like, hey, man, you didn't add me to the email. You just forwarded me the email. He's like, uh, what do you mean? I'm like, you got to reply all. He's like, that's what I did. I said, no, you didn't. You forwarded me the email. Like, now I have to go back in and add everybody. He's like, uh, I'm like, just click reply all. Add my name to the the list of people there and just put adding Logan. That's all you got to do. Oh, uh, okay. Five minutes later, I still don't have the email. And he goes, uh, do you see the reply? They just, they just sent on this situation. I said, no, cause you still haven't added me to. 
And he was like, oh, so you're not working on it? I said, no, not till you add me to the email, man. Like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> it's not It's not that hard. It, it's not that hard. So, you know, and he's not, it's not some, like, 18-year-old kid who's never worked in an office. This is a 30-year-old man who's worked, according to him, in plenty of office situations. So, like, that, that level of... I'm just like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like, I understood this having never worked in this environment. Day one, I understood this. Like, I understand, yeah. like, the insides of the job you don't understand, but it seems to be, like, the regular stuff you don't understand. Like, replying to an email. It's like talking to my dad. He's like, the internet doesn't work. I'm like, the internet doesn't work or your computer doesn't work. Well, I mean, my computer won't turn on. Well, that's not the internet. That's your computer. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't. So I just lose my patience and I feel really bad about it later because I'm the guy that always feels bad about everything. But in the moment, I'm just like, I'm going to kill you because you don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and please don't murder. Murder would be bad. No, I'd lose my job, which uh, this last week officially made two years. So That's crazy. Yeah. It feels like more, I'll be honest. <clears throat> some days it does, and some days it feels like I I'm still don't know what I'm doing. And then I get questions from like people who've been there for 10 years asking me what to do, and I'm like, how do you not know what to do? Yeah. <laughs> So, I don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> well, what else has been up? That's the bitch fest work. I, I apologize. So, I've been very frustrated. Not at my job. Just at work in general. <laughs> you mean like while at work? Yes, yes. Not at the job. Like, I, my job, I do. Like, and I'm done. And I'm just like, I'm all good. Who needs help? He's like, uh, how do I add you to an email? Like, I'm going to kill you. Um, but, uh, but you're not really. You don't mean that. <laughs> no, you're frustrated. No. no. <laughs> we have learned internet commenting is a dangerous sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not really going to kill anybody. So if he winds up dead, I haven't said his name. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, look, this dude is so stupid. If he winds up dead, I'm pretty sure it's his own fault. Oh, my God. If um, I have to speak to the police on your behalf, I'm going to be so pissed. Uh, I mean, you know, you had to tell a bunch of doctors and nurses that, like, I swear to God, he's not on any drugs. I know it seems like that, but I yeah, exactly. You. I've, I've done my duty. I'm done. No more, Logan. No more <laughs> officials on your behalf. Out of context, that's probably really crazy. But I assume anybody listening to this knows that story. Yeah, I, if they don't, it's somewhere on the internet. Yeah, go look it up. Just type in Logan Cancer. It comes <laughs> up, I promise. It's all a bunch of X-Men comic books. Yeah, really. So, so yeah, speaking of, one more to go. So That's crazy. So you already have, knew that, but, you know, I not did. everybody else does, too. The weekly announcement, and like a week at the rate you're going, you'll have three extra unknown comic books that you never knew existed before. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So. 
Well, that's awesome. That's exciting. You're actually literally you're waiting for number one. It's not just one left. It is the, the number one. Number one. Yes. The so crazy. Holy Grail of X Men books. I would imagine. I can't. Well, after talking to you, it sounds like the first appearance of Wolverine is the Holy Grail of X Men related books. It's certainly the one that you're like. I can put a price tag and know like okay, X Men number one. If I can put together two thousand dollars, I can get a copy. Mm-hmm. Wolverine or Incredible Hulk 191 is the one that's like I might get a copy for $2,000 or in two weeks it could be a $6,000 book because it seems to just be all over the place and people are rabid about it you know so it's it's ridiculous oh. but it's not my holy grail if I get a first Wolverine that's fine but I'm not I'm not gonna hunt one down is your Holy Grail comic uncanny number one like do you have a Holy Grail comic um honestly my Holy Grail books I already have isn't that nice with the exception of maybe maybe the first appearance of Thanos Mm -hmm. maybe the first appearance of Doctor Doom like if I really thought about it definitely thanos but that's a attainable book it's like a 200 dollars book um but like the first dr doom because i love dr doom so that would probably be one that you know if i had if i had a million dollars and you know once i bought finished my collection that would probably be the one i went and bought yeah so, yeah although well, I don't know. Disney owns him now, so maybe they won't fuck it up. So, <laughs> uh. well, I was just thinking, like, in terms of my collection, what my my Holy Grail books are, like, what I would want to fill in. And I know that it would be the Powers books that I don't have because I don't have like the first maybe six issues of that series. So and, weird because those are so attainable. Well, that's what well, that's what I was looking at. I was thinking about how like. I don't know, 10 years ago, it was a whole different world. And I just wonder if that Sony show just sort of tanked it Uh, or just time. Yeah. I mean, the series, the series didn't stay hot because they could never put it out in a timely manner. Um, because Bendis was always so busy. Well, yeah, when they switched to Marvel, that's when it sort of all fell apart. Um, cause when it was an image, while it did like delay here and there, I just feel like the Marvel thing became, made it even more confusing because at least you could wait for the image book to come out and you knew it, that would come out. Is this a continuation? Is this a mini? Like it just got more confusing. And, and I heard Bendis, you know, reference some things about how DC is going to treat his, um, creator own projects. Um, and it's almost like he's uh, subtweeting Marvel. And so I think he's going to have a little more control over that. So I'm curious. I'm curious. We'll see. But I always liked Powers. Um, let's see. I'm, I was trying to see if I could, like, Google one or eBay. I, I just found one for forty five dollars that was graded. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I, I would think there's other Powers things that are probably harder to find in good condition that m- might wind up costing you more, like the Powers coloring book. I've got a couple of those. There you go. Um, maybe the one half issue, although I think you can get that for like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, like I've got the powers 
yeah, they do like whole runs of it for 20 bucks for like the icon or like the Marvel version. Yeah. Here's the, the half issue from wizard for $5. There you go. So anyway, um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's <coughs> my Holy Grail ends up becoming more like I read these and wanted these so much back in the day and now I should just finish off those collections. Sort of like why the last man, how I had everything except for number one, that would have been top of the Holy Grail list, but now I have it. And Gambit, you've given me two of my Holy Grail books. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to change my answer or add to my answer, I guess. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number one, the original Eastman and Laird very low print. I think there was like a thousand copies or less. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a comic book? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know oh, that fact. Man. Uh, yeah. Uh, and actually a friend of mine has one and has told me repeatedly that like if anything ever happens to me, you're getting my comics. So I don't wish for anything to happen to him. Brick. You know Brick. Oh yeah. Um, I don't wish for anything to happen to him, but you know, like if something ever does happen to him, I'm definitely showing up and being like, look, not, not saying anything, but he did tell me that I could have these. <laughs> Specifically his Ninja Turtles books and his Preacher books. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're reading some X-Men. You got me on this X-Men reading train. I'm like five issues in to Extraordinary X-Men. How confused uh. are you? I'm not very because I've known little bits and pieces of stuff. And so like I knew what like about Cyclops. I knew about old man Logan and stuff. So I've known little bits and pieces. Um, so I'm just sort of X-Men to me is one of those books I'm always able to. If it's a new storyline, just jump in and take the ride and realize if I get interested enough, I'll go really fill in the blanks. So I, there's a few things I'm like, I know I'm not totally solid on where, how these people got here. But for the most part, I'm following it. Well, if it makes you feel any better, a lot of – they took a time jump. So almost all of that was just like we're going to jump into the middle of this and like them being in uh, limbo. Mm -hmm. Like there's no story where it's like, oh, we're going to go to limbo. It, it You just open in that and then they kind of fill you in as you go along on why they're there or how they got there or whatever. Um, the Cyclops thing is another – like the book opens with like, oh, hey, Cyclops is dead. Like, mm -hmm. in case you didn't know, it's like, what happened? Because <laughs> that is the X-Men versus the Inhumans or something. Well, it's Death of X, which Death leads X. into X-Men or Inhumans versus X-Men, okay. which technically happened, I guess, before all of this. But they don't tell you what happened until after all of this, which is just so weird. So, hmm. um, e Extraordinary, I thought was okay. I love the idea of bringing Mr. Sinister into anything because I love that character. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I was just like, this is okay, which is a shame because I really like Jeff Lemire. So, like, Mr. Sinister is like Christian Grey meets an angry scientist. Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to make that clear. As, I, as like, his reveal on, like, that big page splash, I was like... This is like a really S&M heavy character, and I never knew that until now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty uh, – he's pretty twisted, and like the genetic thing, they lean really heavily into like, ooh, I, I'd like to mess with this person's genetics. Um, I think a lot of that stems from uh, Age of Apocalypse because they got heavy into like, 
oh, he's screwed with all the mutants, and this is why, you know, a lot of them are messed up. So. I like I like when he's trying to create Homo Superior Superior. You can come up good. with a better name. <laughs> I mean, it's like unobtainium from Avatar, that cracked me up. Um, but also, it was kind of like really classic because I do feel like it feels, um, it, it reminds me of old school X Men. Um, old school. Let me let me rephrase like eighties X Men, yeah. where it's just like very big, sprawling. You know, we're jumping to four different things at one time, crazy plot lines, and I kind of enjoy that. And so it is fun. So when he says that, I'm like, I want to just kind of check out mentally, but at the same time, I'm like, no, nah, just kind of is familiar and fun. So I'm I'm digging it. I think I'm five issues, four issues in. I'm not I'm not that far into it. <laughs> it's really cool because I can look and see like where you're at because i've already read the first quote-unquote volume which is mm-hmm. the first five so when i look at him like oh he's reading issue four yeah and it's kind of because we're sharing the marvel unlimited app i'll so. never be able to be like oh yeah man i read that i'll be ready tonight and then try to read it really quick <laughs> like because you'll know um so yeah i've read the first volume of extraordinary x-men the first volume of all new x-men which is six issues um which I, I like a lot more. I read Death of X because I was just like, F it, I'm jumping ahead. I want to know the Cyclops story. I was so tired of like, oh yeah, Cyclops is dead. And could we at least find out why he died or how he died? I mean... I just assumed it's him being a jerk. Uh, it's, it's There's a twist to it and it's very anticlimactic if you're going to read it. Um, I would say you will probably know what's happening after the first issue, but they don't tell you until the last issue. So, and it's just like, Oh, okay. Well, this is stupid. Um, it it was, it was not good. It was not good. Um, I like all new X-Men. I, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'll dig it, but it's a, they're, they're on a road trip. Is Gambit in it? No, I won't like it. I'm um, just kidding. It's it's the teenage version of the X Men minus Jean Grey, but adding she's off with her grandpa boyfriend. Yeah, I mean that's that would be a great lead in for talking about that movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> like how well, creepy is this? Well, they're very clear that she's in college, so they keep the legal lines clear. So it's not like the original X Men where Professor Xavier is all like, "I got the hots for a teenage Jean Grey." Yeah. Um, but no, all new X Men is it's a road trip. It's it's a lot more uh, it's a lot more fun than it is like oh here we go deep diving into one of these crazy stupid X Men stories. Yeah, and then, that sounds fun. Um, oh, I was gonna tell you. So I when I was done with that, I was like, well, I don't want to get too far ahead. So I started reading all new Wolverine because you had mentioned X twenty three last week. Mm-hmm. And I know a little bit, and I've read her in books, but mm-hmm. I've not read like any solo stuff really. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll read all new X-Men because it kind of somewhat ties into some of this. Uh, you should go read or uh, all new Wolverine. You should read that if you want to read some good X-23 stuff. Okay. Okay. It, I'll check it out. It's a lot more interesting than what, I got from you about the new X twenty three book, so okay, well, cool. And it, it doesn't immediately go like, oh, we're tying into 
an X-Men storyline. It's just her doing her... I may or may not be Wolverine. I don't know if I want to kill anybody thing. Okay. Well, that so. sounds good. So, so uh, we we both watched a movie that we said we watched last week. But before we get to it, did you watch anything else since we last spoke? A lot of TV. Anything <laughs> that stands out as the best? Uh, I mean, Better Call Saul, man. You really got to watch this show. Are you watching the most current season? Yes. Okay, I've heard great things. I knew, I've seen season one. Like, I have watched it. I just haven't gotten to the other seasons. It, it, yeah. Uh, we're two episodes into the season now, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's so good. And the way it's become, like, not just Saul's origin story, but everybody else's except Walter White's and Jesse Pinkman's origin story mm-hmm. is... It's so good. And it, it doesn't take away from Saul. Like, because you think he should be the focus. But every time Mike shows up, or every time, um, what's his name? Gus. Manos, yeah, every time Gus Fring shows up, or the, uh, what was the name of the, the, the mob or whatever that they got involved in? The old man that's in the, the rest home. With the, the the bell, ding ding ding. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't I don't remember the name. It's been too long. Uh, this season basically opened with you finding out why he's in there. That's cool. Yeah, and it's it's almost as messed up as like, oh hey, like we blew up the old folks' home and now Gus has half a face. Like it it's that it's almost that messed up. So. <laughs> well, that's cool. No, I, I'm I gotta get to it. I really do. Also, Trial and Error, which I've told you to watch before, I think. Is that John Lithgow? Yeah, they're on the season two, which he's not in. Okay. Um, it's a different murder case. Um, it's, uh, what's her name, from Wicked and... Uh, oh, Chenoweth? Yeah, Kristen Chenoweth. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, she's the murderer that's on trial that they're having to defend. It's not been as good as season one. Um, only because it's like, oh yeah, this formula, but it's still really funny. So, well, that's cool. That's cool. I haven't watched much. I watched the second week of making it finally. So sad. So it was, but it was very good. And it's just, I, it's the same time. It's like the happiest show on television, or the nicest show on television. Um, and I don't know, not a whole lot else. I'm trying to. I don't even remember my last four days. You were over here. You hung out for the evening we were supposed to watch willow which i just knew wasn't going to happen because we got to hang out it's been too long um and that's it i don't know i didn't see anything i'm going to the movies over the next week to see uh, hopefully if things work out crazy rich asians because i want to support that and um black Klansmen because i also want to support that and then if eighth grade is still in town i'm going to try to see it yeah hope you're not planning on using movie pass Nope. Which I, I know you don't have. <laughs> I jumped ship a long time ago. Yeah, you're smart. But let me be. But the reality is, yeah, yeah. It seems that way because I can be all hipster when I say it that way. But truthfully, I just canceled it because I had a child, and so it was very hard to go to the movies as much as like I wasn't actually even getting the benefit because I was I had a prior to the steep drop in price, and so uh, all of a sudden I wasn't using it enough, and I was like, yeah, I'll just get rid of it, and then I just never jumped back on. 
Well, now you couldn't opt out even if you wanted to. So That's so crazy. Yeah. Um, all right, so we watched Kubrick's Lolita, and I've been dying to talk about this <laughs> since we watched it. Yeah, you I was have... intentionally vague every time you texted me. I was like, I don't want to get into this in text. No, I know, but I don't understand you. But anyway, um, we're good. We're here. We're going to talk about it. Um, all you said, I feel like, was like you have a ton to say about it. And so uh, so let's start with you. Did you even – can you say you liked it? <laughs> so I went into this expecting it to be fucked up. Yeah. And it's like, all right, so one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to have to, like, talk about a movie where I'm like – well, you know, I mean, she it's not like she was innocent and you know, not not necessarily defending the the like just I don't I don't even know what to call it. The horribleness of, you know, getting involved with a very very young girl, not a child, but I mean, she's like 16 or something. Mhm. So I, just like, I don't Which is wanna... older than the book, by the way. I don't know if you know that, but it's I older than she is in the book. Did not know that. So, yep. um, like, I didn't want to be putting in the the place to like kind of defend liking the movie if I like the movie, or to sound like I'm being a prude if I didn't like the movie. And then I watched it, and I'm like, well, the older dude in a relationship with the 16 year old might be the least fucked up thing in this whole movie. So, like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> it's so, hysterical. And I felt really bad laughing every time. So, yeah, so this is our exchange via text. So I'm just going to just call this out. You texted me and said, I made the first volume of Extraordinary, referring to X-Men, and started on all new the dennis hopeless book yeah and i said cool i watched a two and a half hour pedophilia comedy last night so there's that because that's what it is it's very it's so bizarre so first things first i go to play this movie and the little thing pops up with the link and i was like two and a half hours are you effing kidding me come on kubrick and i will say the time flew because it is a weird, dark comedy. Um, he, I don't, the puns and the innuendo are worse than anything I've ever seen in James Bond. Like, it's, I just couldn't believe. It, it became funny by the sheer audacity and force with which those puns came flying out of the lips of these characters' mouths. They, it was what's, insane. What, what's the name of the camp? A, a camp climax for girls. Yes, I mean, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> and I love it because you get to the camp and there's all these girls who are in like bathing suits and like whatever summer wear. And he, the the main character, is in front of a stuffed beaver, <laughs> like hitting it with a tennis racket or like wave i don't know man i was just like this is this this just too on the nose goofy as hell but like i i don't i don't know i i i thought it was an interesting film (laughs) yeah right 
I'm just going to say, I thought it was a very good, very funny, like, well-written, well-acted, like, extraordinarily shot. Like, it was just all around great. It's just not a movie I feel like I could ever, I mean, I'm saying that on a podcast that anybody could listen to, but that I could ever, like, look at somebody and be like, oh, yeah, I really like Lolita. Because they're going to look at you like, if they know what it's about, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, the thing is, I, I do feel like Kubrick Kubrick doesn't seem to make a lot of like really direct statements in his movies that seem personalized. Like you don't really get into the heart of Kubrick um, in such a direct way as someone who I don't know, like Spielberg's movies. Spielberg's heart is on every is in every frame, right? But I think the heart of Kubrick is the fact that his emotions are not in every frame of his film. That's how you get to the heart of him. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? So, but Lolita is one because I do feel that he takes a judgmental eye towards almost to to everybody in the movie, including her. Including her, I think that he really does judge the absurdity of this obsession with sex and the depravity it leads to for everyone. And I think that my argument for that thought would be to say, look at eyes wide shut, which is like the cold antithesis of this. Yes. And, and I think that I, I do think he's made an absurd satire out of a really dour, serious, dark novel because it's not a funny book. And, and his, said let's turn this on its head the way we can make this is not only to only allude to the terrible things that are happening um now because you can't show stuff on screen um but also to let's let's point the finger and laugh at all of these crazy people and that's what he does and i think he does it very successfully i mean james mason's like or not james mason's that who's it who's yeah, the thing james, uh, james james mason playing the lead character is like a really pathetic puppy dog and the whole time and he's such a sad sack he's almost like a sitcom dad from the 60s and but his sadness is that he can't have sex with a 16 year old stepdaughter that's terrible but it, but they so we just so he laughs at him kubrick laughs at him and invites us to laugh with him but also to never forget how absurd how crazy how dark and twisted all of it is and that's a that's a pretty amazing tightrope to walk across and i think he walks across it with confidence so while yeah the subject matter is really dark and disturbing but i do think he pulls off telling this story in this way i did finish it and immediately go like i don't think i'd ever want to see a version of this that does take it seriously like the jeremy irons version i was about to ask you like would you be at all interested in watching the jeremy irons version no I mean, I genuinely I thought about it like as I was at the movie was finishing, and I went, yeah, like the, what they did here is the way to make this movie palatable, but it still explored the themes of 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 the story and what what's trying to be sort of explored, but in a way that you can actually watch it and engage with it, um, because I never felt once like I was being titillated, or um, or I was. Um, excusing anyone's actions, even hers, because um, there's a heck of a twist at the end with her. Not necessarily. Um, there's the sort of you sort of see what's going on with the um, the Peter Sellers character, 
Yeah. Um, and I, I did sort of wonder because Sellers plays multiple characters in Strange Love, right? Right. But he's actually different characters. And in this role, he's just kind of in disguise or in the shadows. Um, and so I did kind of have this a little bit of uncertainty of what Sellers was doing and is the, like what his role was. Um, but she has a very dark twist at the end. Um, but And I didn't see it coming. But I, I just – I don't think that anyone is let off the hook. I don't think we're titillated by any of what's happening. And I think there's a lot. There's more sex than – behind the scenes or off frame than the most any other movie I've ever seen in all honesty everyone's having sex with everyone there's like the swinger couple that whole thing where the wife's yes. talking to him and she's like I'm really open minded and I don't remember his name but you know John's really open minded too and it's like oh my god how did they make this movie because <laughs> it's not secretive at all but everyone's just so judged that I can see how they could have made this movie yeah it it's it was it was strange like from the get go i thought it was going to be this very like serious take on it and that it was going to be like a very harsh look at this person and his lust slash what he thinks is love towards this younger girl and what it winds up being is that like no, like, yeah, he's fucked up, but look at all these people. They're all messed up, too. So, it, I mean, from the the get-go, like, when you meet uh, the mom. Um, Is it Shelly Winters? Shelly Winters, yeah. When you meet her, she's, I mean, you're just like, oh, oh, my God. What is, and you think she's just slightly annoying or kind of pushy. Um, oh no but as the young kids say she's thirsty yeah and real thirsty and like having seen like those type of mother-daughter relationships literally firsthand like i immediately recognized that and i was just like oh no like she's this is like she's she hates her daughter because she wants to be her daughter so she, and she knows how other people look at her, including Humbert, the the main character. Yes, like she totally knows. She totally knows. And, and and my argument for that is that even after they're married, the thing that you know breaks them up, quote unquote, sends her. I mean, spoiler alerts for this movies and book that are decades and decades old, but. Um, because I do think that the experience of this thing is not really about spoilers. I mean, they give away sort of the ending at the beginning of the film, um, but but they that sends her to her death so that he can separate from her. Is she finally goes? I'm going to get to your locked up journal or diary. What that he calls a diary, and which I do also like because it's a. I know diary used used to be more common, but I do feel like it's a really teenage feminine name. For yeah. what he does, and so I like I like that detail. But she goes for the diary because she knows this is the thing that can let him know she knows. Like it's all about confirming that she knows. So she knows from early on, in my opinion, what's going on, and that's why she hates her and wants to be her and tries to be her. But I, it's it's so dark. But it is so it's it's shockingly relevant today in my opinion. Um, and, and it's fascinating to look at a culture that in reality, it hadn't changed that much. Yeah. Um, 
I don't. It's probably not even as well hidden as it used to be. Um, it's so weird. Uh, I love the exploration of basically it's all of these people, every single character in the story, and what they're willing to put up with, not to get the person that they want, but basically to be near the person that they want. Mm-hmm. Like it just all, I don't know that I would put up with, no matter how like desperate I was, not, you know, it sounds weird saying to be with this young girl, but I, I don't like, there's nothing that I, I would not put up with that level of like just madness from this woman. Yeah. And I think that more than anything else is that like that Kubrick does a good job of not putting you in the position of, of putting yourself in his shoes at any point. Right. That's sort of the coldness at work in my opinion is that the Kubrick is never inviting you in to, uh, to, to be a part of their experience in any way, which is why there's no titillation and why there's no, um, what you just talked about, how you had a hard time saying, I like, I just don't know that I would, put it put myself in a shoe because he Kubrick doesn't put you there doesn't want you to go there he wants you to be outside looking in and and that's where that kind of the trademark coldness helps out so much um because it's not cold in the movie like other ones are or technically removed and, and I say cold I, I think I just mean more non-judgmental um it's very judgmental and is asking you to be there with him on that it's like the first time you get to team up with Kubrick in a movie and it's nice because you rarely get to do that. But in any Spielberg film, I think the the biggest failing of a, of a Spielberg film that doesn't work is where he asks you to team up with him, and you're like, "Buddy, why do we want to go to the Oasis? Like, why why we want to do that? That doesn't sound that great." Um, I, I like the Oasis. <laughs> I, I know that's just my I'm throwing that, and that's my that's my my two cents. But why do I care about this horse, Spielberg? Why do I care about it? it goes through some I, wars. Lots of I horses. I agree do with it. you there. <laughs> I did watch the honest trailer for Hook the other day and was like, wow, Hook was surprisingly dark. Um, but um, but yeah, but that's I think that's what happens is he asked you to come along with him and it doesn't it doesn't work. Um, but Kubrick never asked you to go along with him. So that's why I think so many of his films get held up, not only because of all of the other qualities that make them work, but he also never asked you to be with him on them. He asked you to experience them. And this is, I feel like, the first one that I've seen. And at this point, I'm missing just Spartacus, um, which I've seen the end of you know a dozen times but i've never seen the, the whole film um but this movie uh, has one of it i don't know that there's a lot of kubrick movies that reference other kubrick movies mm-hmm. but holy shit the spartacus reference oh, was yeah. amazing like i laughed out i was like ha <laughs> that's so great <laughs> it's like oh my god now he's just like making fun of himself i don't know what's going on here <laughs> Well, it's so it's so weird because he also well so that's the whole thing is my understanding is that in reaction to the big budget Hollywood movie, he went the whole other direction and that's what he made with this movie is to kind of say that's not what I want to do. <laughs> um, so the idea that he makes fun of that movie or sort of references it with comedy, it, it makes sense in maybe his life story. So again, it's Kubrick saying stand next to me through this craziness. And I feel like every now and then he's just ribbing you a little bit. And and that's really kind of fun because it makes me feel like Kubrick is a funnier guy than I ever would have guessed. I mean, and it has to be him. 
him right i'm not i'm not gonna go read this book i'm just not um, no, I could get through it. So, I mean, I, I had it for as an option for a college course, and I couldn't get through it. So, I don't recommend doing it. So, the guy that wrote the book adapted it for the screen. Really? Yes. Okay. N- N- Nabokov. Nabokov. How do you yeah. say his name? I think. I think the second. Vladimir. One. Whatever. Anyway. Oh, Vlad. Yeah. So he he is credited as the the screenwriter. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I would kind of like to see some behind the scenes stuff to know if it's just like, is he just credited as the screenwriter? And they were like, well, here's the book and we'll just do what we want. Or did he actually write a script based on his novel? Because the novel was published in 55. So it's not it's not like it's a, you know, 80 year old book at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm really curious about that. And then. On the, the flip side of that, like, so if he adapted it, the humor is not in the book. I can only assume that he didn't put the humor in there. Then how does he look at the movie and go, what the hell is all of this? Probably the same way Stephen King looks at The Shining. Yeah. The, the Shining has, still has that vibe, though. Like, as much as I don't love that movie because I really like that book. Um, it does still have that vibe. Like it, it's still, I, well, I mean, I think the thing that. is more than anything. I, I think I'm more mean, not from our point of view, but from King's point of view, because he's not as big of a fan of it. Yeah. I, but he, he also didn't adapt it. <laughs> he didn't write. I guess the that's, true, that's true. That's true. Like, that's true. I, I mean, I, I just want to know if this dude was furious when he saw the final product it was like, that's not what I wrote, man. Like, what did you do? What is with the beaver jokes? What is with the, the, the camp thing? What What is with every time somebody is getting something to drink or something to eat? It is some kind of reference to a sex act. Every single time. It's got extra mayo like you like it. I, I mean, what is up with that? And, unless they worked on it together and he was just like, if he was down for it like that, that might make it even more interesting. So. Well, it's so it, it's weird because I felt like listening to some of the puns and the comments being made is that I was hearing right now. So I listen to um, two podcasts currently that are produced all by um, uh, women and they're political, but they talk about women's rights stuff as well as sort of the current events of the time. It's why I'm behind on your other podcast. I apologize. Um, but when I hear them talk about sort of the culture around sex and uh, porn stars and the way people look at uh, objects, they're basically saying the same stuff that like the way they describe Lolita in the movie, almost word for word, is exactly what the ideal projection of like pornography is these days. Like the mainstream pornography, it's these, uh, the it's the the you know, the, the, it's not about the 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 concept because like the virginal whore thing, like that's that's just a concept that's been around forever, but it's like the actual wording and the way they speak about her is the way people are commenting on our culture and the way we objectify women and sex. Now, it's like word for word the same. 
it's very odd. And also the cherry pie thing just cracked me up because I'm like, oh my god, the song. It's like, seriously. Yeah. I just it's just odd to it's it's not odd. It's 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 fascinating to me that so much of the language used to describe these people's um, hangups or obsessions or desires is the same language from 1962 to 2018 that people used to describe all the same stuff. That's fascinating to me. It makes it a more relevant movie than I think some of the other some of his other films that have have maybe a higher reputation. I think it makes it more relevant than those today. I would, com- I, 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 I completely agree with you. Um, I think maybe outside of the killing, which is pretty straightforward, um, this might wind up being my favorite Kubrick movie. But again, I cannot ever tell anybody like, yeah, like I, I, I love Lolita. I think it, it's great. <laughs> No, but I think that the thing is, if you have the right crowd, you can, because the idea is not that you left the salacious concept, but it, it's how much of a like people have. You need to have people with a sense of irony or satire to say that sentence to. Right. But then you can. Um, but no, I agree with you. Like, I'm not going to put on Facebook. Watch the lead. I loved it because um, it's just this 95 percent of the people who see that are going to be like, what the hell is wrong with you? But I'm like, no, 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 no. It really is commenting on a lot of stuff back then that is so shockingly similar to now. And, and also it's making fun of it in such a way that not only is it commenting, which is fascinating, but it's also taking it all down in harsher terms than people do today. And we've learned more. We know better. We're in movements right now to try to change things. And it's uh, it's more relevant in 62. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it is it is nuts. Um, it, there are several shots in it and all the technical stuff is still there. There's a great shot where the camera's upstairs and it goes down through the floor to the bottom stage. I love yeah. that. Um, so there's stuff like that and some cool tracking shots, but it's not a – it doesn't show off in the ways that draw attention to itself, but I think it is also showing off at the same time because if my reading is correct that Kubrick is reacting to the making of Spartacus with this, it's him saying I can go small and esoteric and dark and controversial but also be so technically proficient at the same time that I'll be so good you won't even notice it but two and a half hours of all of this complication will fly by and entertain you at the same time because that's the master of the craft that I am and that I feel like it is really him showing off but in a less obvious way than almost anything else yeah and and I I, again I really love that like he doesn't condemn a single person in the movie. He condemns every single character that shows up, like every single one of them. It, it's all just like, yeah, they're, these people are all, they're all crazy. So, although I do feel like if you showed this to people who are currently wrapped up in the QAnon bullshit, they'd be like, see, yeah, this is proof. <laughs> oh yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Um, I, it, I, I know. I think that if if we eventually watch Spartacus, which I'm not up for till next week, because I saw that it's like 167 minutes long. Very long. <laughs> um, so I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna have time. So I'm not volunteering for that for next week. But whenever we talk about Spartacus, and that we will have done them all. Um, and I think that we should, you know, kind of give our preference list, you know. Um, and I, I but I have a feeling this would be a, like my top 
two or three. I mean, it's it's really up there. I'm I'm extremely um, surprised by that because it also doesn't have the reputation that any of the other Kubricks have. Even the Killing, it doesn't have the same reputation. Yeah, it, it actually, I mean, maybe not in like certain circles, but I is. Much as I hear people talk about about Kubrick, I don't know that I ever hear anybody bring up Lolita. Ever, yeah, no, neither. So, and I mean, right now, like you said, we're one away and from seeing all of his feature film work. And I, other than The Killing, which I I haven't seen since we watched it, and I watched it twice when we watched it years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I might actually, if I rewatch The Killing, I might would still go, no, I like Lolita more. Um, I, I'm sure I'll enjoy Spartacus. No movie that's that long will ever be my favorite anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I love movies. I do. But, oh, my God. Uh, break it up into parts, man. Harry Potter had the right idea. Like eight movies. Just do it like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm glad we watched it, and I'm glad that you watched it before me, so that I was sort of obligated to make sure I still watched it. Um, and which I don't mean like in a negative way, but in the reality is, it could have been easy to be like, ah, we'll do it next time. But you did it. You let me know. So then I was like, okay, I gotta do it. So I watched it, and I'm glad I did. Like I'm I'm really surprised. This has been a weird year of movie watching for me because I haven't seen as many new releases, but I have been filling in sort of major blanks with other directors, um, and sometimes blanks that I don't know are going to be major before I start them. Um, Wild at Heart by David Lynch is one that I did not know would be as um big for me internally as it ended up being and so this is the same kind of thing like i just watched a kubrick movie that i always thought would be like the last one i saw and not a big deal and i'm i'm incredibly um affected by it yeah me too i i i I don't know i i really really want to i think i even told you like I want to, I really want to just rewatch it. So, I mean, I, I'm wrapped up in my television stuff, but I might actually rewatch it this weekend. So, it, it also is maybe the only Kubrick movie that I could put on and not have to feel like, once I've seen it, like I could put it on while I'm like cleaning the house or doing something on the computer, whatever, and then just like look up and like just oh hi yeah that's funny and then go back to doing what i'm doing like it, it's not uh, i don't feel like i ever have to be really really invested in it again not that yeah. it doesn't pull you in it does but i, I don't know it, it feels like a like a 70s tv show almost yeah no no absolutely completely like watching three's company only i had the same thought no kidding i seriously was thinking three's company in my brain uh only in only one of the girls is 16 instead of in their late 20s so or actual probably in their 30s at that point but are playing in their late early to late 20s um yeah it, it feels like that and i would love to see somebody remake it as this kind of satire and the way to get around the like, Oh, we cast this young girl is to maybe cast somebody who's completely inappropriate for the part. Um, did you ever watch like strangers for candy or strangers um, with candy? 
a little bit of it, not a ton. Something kind of like that, only not like like so over the top. Like just cast somebody who obviously is not sixteen and who obviously is, you know, not you know, playing it as sixteen, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to see that. I would love to see I'm trying to think of who would be a good fit for that. I don't know anybody that makes really good satire films anymore. Mm, yeah, no, I'm I've actually that's what I'm hitting a roadblock on is going like, yeah, I don't know. Um I think um the director I like, a French director, Olivia Asseas, um, could do a French version of this very well. Um I think he could play around with it. Did you ever see Carlos? No. That's uh, usually the one people have seen if they haven't seen his other work. But he did Personal Shopper with um, uh, Kristen Stewart last year, and he's, Cloud Cecil's Maria was him. I, I uh, love that movie. So yeah. I think so. That's the one that really so the satire it's playing with about Hollywood, and there's a lot of serious drama going on, but it's also sort of a satire of the fact that there's serious drama going around going on involving these actors and their personal assistant and that sort of stuff. So I like, I'd like to see him make this with, I don't know, Chloe Grace Moretz. He did get, probably got her best performance out of her. She's ever given. Um, and she's given a few good ones. So I'm not trying to diminish her work, but, um, but I think that that's, it's a fantastic performance playing with a, an idolized version of a human being. And I think he could do it. Oh, but in his own world, like do it in France and, and get like, Gerard Depardieu to be after Chloe Grace Moretz. Yes. How great would that be? There you go. If you so, cast Julia Binoche as, as the thirsty wife, I, oh, or the man. thirsty mom, I would be my favorite movie of all time. Uh, uh, can she... Uh, I hate to say shrew, because it feels like I'm being like very, very harsh, but they so obviously have her playing up all these like stereotypical things about mm-hmm. you know Lonely Housewife you know, who lost her husband or whatever, but can she do like shrewish kind of like annoying overbearing kind of things? She can do everything. Um, Don't you question it. I shouldn't have even brought that up. So, so, but yeah, that, there you go. So we've just dream remade Kubrick's Lolita. I I I don't want a remake of the book. I want a remake of Kubrick's Lolita. Yes. Yes. I, I do not want the dark, like, but here's the thing, Kubrick's Lolita today, PG-13. Yes. So you can make it to, to the widest audience possible. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, like, I still want him to go, like, not direct graphic anything. I want him satire to the point of the dialogue, and what's not shown makes the jokes and tells the story. Yeah. It'd be I'd fantastic. Be so down for that. <sighs> yeah. Well, that was a fun turn. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Do you want to hear about a terribly sad dream I had the other day? Sure. Here it is. So um, it was raining, and I was in an apartment full of friends, and I got a message on my phone saying I won a contest. And that contest was that I could meet President Obama. And I was like, oh, my God. And all I had to do to win the contest was go outside. So I just stepped outside my door, and then they were like, you won. And I don't know who they were. It's just like I'm hearing you won. And President Obama walks up. And I shake his hand, and I just start crying. And in my dream, it feels like I cried for like 10 minutes. And it was terrible. And he put like a hand on my shoulder trying to comfort me, but it just wouldn't work because he's not our president anymore. 
that's the end of my dream. It's terribly sad. I've not told anyone it since it happened, but I've thought about it a lot since. Yeah, I, I think you might be on the politics thing too much. Maybe. <laughs> I understand why, and I don't disagree with you. You, we should all be more active and vote. And, but oh my God, looking at it depresses me so much, and I have such anxiety about every single thing in my life that adding that to it just feels like I'm punishing myself more than I already do. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, uh, so what do you, what's going on with you this coming week? What are you up to? Uh, reading, watching TV. Oh, Castle Rock. I still haven't seen any of it. I am current on Castle Rock. And is, it, is it going well? crap. I don't understand anything that's happening uh-huh. it's freaky but it's so good that's awesome um, it's I, I don't even know how to describe it um, yeah they're doing a phenomenal job like all of the, the actors are fantastic I love catching little Stephen King references here and there I, I miss a lot of them and then read them later and go oh yeah that was great and uh, so, yeah, I, I'm really, really digging it. It would be really interesting to see if they're able to create a Stephen King multiverse using this, um, which is what it kind of feels like they're doing. So. So it's like a um, it's like what the Dark Tower should have been for the for these stories, but in movie form. Yeah, and only it, it it doesn't have the the fantasy slash sort of sci-fi setting. It's just this small little town where all these weird things happen, and all these people are connected in these bizarre ways, and like it it just branches out from there. Um, if, especially if you know his work, like you're like, oh, that character was in Needful Things, and then this happened in Needful Things, which spilled over into this book, and then, like, holy shit, it's all connected. Um, it feels kind of like what they originally wanted Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be for the Marvel Universe, only mm-hmm. this is doing it for a universe that doesn't even exist. So, I mean, it, it's, it feels very, very connected to it. And beyond the fact that one of the stars of the show is the clown from the movie. Um, but in ways that like, it's just subtle. So it's not, not like saying, Oh yeah, the, the clown that killed all the people, but like things will come up or you'll hear something. And it takes place in Derry, which I think is in Stephen King's world, like the next town over. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's just, it's weird. And, fun and gets me like like all hyped up in like like the way the marvel movies do and so often i'm disappointed in the way that they're not connected in the way i want them to be and this is the way i want everything to be connected and all of these other movies don't exist yet you know like cujo doesn't really exist in this universe yet you know just a version of cujo exists from 30 years ago so I don't know. It has me all. I got. I, I was in the bookstore this week, and I was just like, I'm gonna go look and see what Stephen King books. Maybe I'll pick one up. And I, I saw so many. I was just like, Nope, I'm gonna walk away. 
like I'm going to wind up buying nine books that I'll never get around to reading. So. Well, that's, uh, I, yeah, no, I have to keep looking at my book list. And so I've decided to, I've gone on a hold of book buying. And so I've been, I've been very good about all of that, but I understand the impulse, especially when some new thing gets you all excited about a subject. You just want to get all the books about it and then you never read them. So I'm trying to be better, but I am reading more. So that's good. Weirdly, the Dark Tower still does not intrigue me at all. I need to watch that movie, if only just to watch the Idris Elba movie. I, so. I literally made it one. I, in high school, I read everything. Like I would read all the old Stephen King stuff. Every time I put out a new book, I would go buy it. I was reading everything he published. And my English teacher, like sophomore year, was like, have you ever read The Dark Tower? I'm like, no, I haven't gotten to those. He was like, you should read The Dark Tower. Because he saw me reading uh, The Talisman. So he brought me a copy. I read the first chapter and I brought it back to him. I was like, I don't really get this. Like, it's not doing anything for me. He was like, keep reading it. I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I read The Gunslinger and I realized, then I sort of heard what it does after that. And I went, yeah, I don't really care about any of that. And I didn't do it. Oh, all the stuff afterward is really exciting to me. The way it, it does that like I was talking, like ties all this stuff together. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, but wait, I have to make it through the gunslinger. I didn't like it. <laughs> I read a chapter and I was like, no, I don't like this. <laughs> no, I liked it. You know me though, like a sparse thing and a man in the desert and walking and what's really going on, that kind of stuff I'm all about. But then it's like, then it was, it's like we're having these literally opposite reactions to the whole thing. And I was like, yeah, but then it goes and does what? And then who's a character? No. And I just said, no, and yeah. I walked away. You know what I should do? I should get the comics and read those. See, I might do that just for something different, but I don't want to sit through all the pages. I'd rather read other books than that. Yeah. So. I bet, well, I was going to say I bet I can find them, but uh, I, I bet I can find them cheap. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know what else I'm doing this week. When are we supposed to go see 2001? It's not. It's the twenty fourth, whatever weekend that is, which is not this. So I guess next weekend, or next weekend slash week, because it's it's running for a week in IMAX. Okay, because that so, that weekend is my brother's bar mitzvah. Yeah, I think we talked about that. So I think we'll go at some point during the. We'll probably have to go in an evening, you know. But if we can catch a seven o'clock show, you know, it'd be a late night, but we'll make it. We'll be okay. We're adults. Yeah, I wouldn't be the worst. I mean, I've done the 10 o'clock movie for a three-hour movie, so you could much uh, difference. You could cut out early on a day, and I could cut out early on a day, and we could just go to, like, the 3 o'clock one. Yeah, I could probably manage that. Yeah, I mean, I know I can, so uh, we'll yeah, we'll see what the times are when they get oh, – I think they are released. So I'll look at the times and see, and we'll figure that out. But it is um, starting next Thursday night, then it plays until the following Thursday, so it plays for a week in IMAX. I have two doctor's appointments, I think, that following week. So either one of those days would probably be good because I could just feel like uh, I'm not going to make it back. So. Okay, cool. And hope nobody listens to this. They're not going to listen to it. Because so <laughs> they can't work a podcast if they can't copy people <laughs> in an email. I, I, and I don't post it to my social media. So they would literally have to, like, Google it and deep dive because – other than I think I posted on other Twitter accounts, but not my personal Twitter account. So 
I don't post it anywhere. You're I, I mean, ashamed I, of our podcast. No, nah, we've been over this. We've been over this. Yeah. So, um, I don't, the only reason it gets posted to Twitter accounts is because it, the publishing is set to auto post to the Twitter accounts, and I just don't ever uncheck it. So. My big thing is like, I would do this if we could. It's just just Mark's used to hang out for an hour every week, and so for me, it's like, eh, if it becomes a podcast too, that's cool. If anyone listens, hey Marie, weekly shout out, um, <laughs> then that's a added bonus. But like. I love that Marie listens. That's actually very exciting to me. Um, but um, but aside from from her, like if someone else listens, that's nice. But um, but I'm not really. I don't care. I used to chase that stuff and really really care about that. But we're making something. We're putting it in the world, and that's kind of cool. But it's really just for us, and that's fine too. Yeah, it's weird. I was thinking about it the other day, and. I mean, in high school, if you'd have asked me, actually in middle school, probably late in elementary school, if you'd asked me what I wanted to do for a living, I would have said write. Mm-hmm. I just, I loved to write. And I still do, but I can't ever get in the headspace anymore. I don't know if it's just because of where I'm at in life or physically where I'm at. It's just difficult. I just can't ever. I sit down and after 30 minutes, I'm like, nope, this is garbage. And just give up. Um, and this has kind of taken the place of that. Mm-hmm. So even though it's not fictional, it's just me babbling about bullshit, but it has kind of taken the place of like, Oh, it was not like, I want to write the great American novel. It was just more like, no, I like to write. Cause I like to, to like be introspective and think about things and talk about things and explore things and da 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 da. So it's where podcasting took the place of that, and that's all your fault. So, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> so, to me, this for this for me is such an so we're a podcast without form. We don't have like an intro, and we don't have. I mean, we sort of have a byline, like a, a byline. That's something different. But but we we, we sort of have a, a an outro. But it's not really whatever. But there's this idea of it being free form and making that into something is intriguing to me. But also I really had this goal with this to try as hard as I can to just be myself on microphone because I don't think I've ever fully done that. Um, except for when I got mad at like man of steel, that was probably really me. The few times I ranted about that movie, but, but like I I wanted to, I think I have a podcast voice that I used to use. That's just, it's it's not totally different. It's just an affectation. Maybe, I don't know. I'm trying to be me and it's not always a success. I can tell when it's like, I'm doing the thing and it comes and goes, but it's like an experiment. And can I get comfortable enough? with a microphone in my face and nobody in front of me, even though I'm speaking to you to be myself and create an hour or so of listening that has a form that makes sense. If it is still without method, that's, that's a fascinating thing to me. And I think maybe I take podcasting too seriously in that way, but that's what I think about when we do this. And that keeps my creative muscles tingling a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. My, my favorite podcast is simply a conversation podcast with three friends who sit at a comic book store. And, I mean, it's a lot more vicious than we ever are, or especially you. <laughs> I can be vicious not towards you, 
but towards other people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, they talk about what's going on in their life and like go at each other like they're married, old married couples. And, you know, just like the way certain friends do. And I love listening to it because it's like I'm hanging out with people without being like, oh, I'm going to listen to the news or, oh, I want to hear what they thought about this movie or, oh, occasionally they're going like these political rants and they're usually slaying it in ways I don't agree with. But um, it's still like I love these people and just getting to hang out with them, even though they have no idea who I am, is so much fun for me and such a stress relief that like I, I wanted to have a podcast like that. So... Well, hopefully we're doing something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, it's not as like vicious because I, I get a kick out of when they're like, wait, what are you talking about? And they it just go off on this tangent where they just go at each other. And it's so funny to me. And then five minutes later, they're like, okay, what were we talking about? So I got an, I've, I've, I've got, I, I said, I got an idea. I've got an idea for next week. Um, I have this book called The Book of If. And it's all these if questions, like if you could only have one ice cream for the rest of your life, what flavor would it be or whatever? It's stuff like that. But some of them are more existential and some of them are very surface level like that. What if I bring it downstairs and I randomly give us if questions? I'm down for that. We used to do this. And so there's a book. There's three of them. And we used to do this book in um, my journalism class in high school. When we had downtime, we would play the if game is what we called it. But it's an if it's the if book or the book of if. And um, and it was such a it's one of those things where like some questions will take us two minutes to answer. And then some we may spend the rest of the whole episode talking about one question. And there's no telling what will happen. Um, and it's not really dramatic, but we could be a, a, a fun little back and forth to see what uh what happens when we uh get these random questions thrown at us um without any preparation and just see if we learn something about each other or if at least the people listening marie uh enjoys what she learns about us um it's funny you bring that up because i actually did have a if question thrown at me by my boss's boss today who I guess ran out of stuff to do. So he came out to pester us while we were working. (laughs) Um, And he started on this, like, if you could only have one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? And like all of their answers, I was just like, y'all are stupid. This, this is stupid. What'd they say? One guy said crawfish, which I I mean, you're going to a lot of work, work to eat something you love for the, no, it's not worth that much work every day. Um, he said tacos, which to me is cheating because tacos feels like an all-encompassing thing. Like It's still a food, though. Yeah, it's a but, smart cheat. You know, you're not saying like, oh, chicken tacos. Like, you're just saying tacos. Like, it could you. be pork tacos and then beef tacos and chicken tacos and then fish tacos. And then, like, there's so much you could do with tacos. Sure. So, um, you know, I mean, you could put apples in them and create a dessert out of them. But anyway... Um, let's see, uh, one guy said shrimp, um, cause there's so many ways you can cook shrimp and I'm like, yeah, yeah we all seen Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> I, I, there was a few others and I was like, no, y'all are all wrong. And he, he said, well, what would it be for you? I was like, cheesecake. I was like, what? 
You can eat cheesecake every meal, every day for the rest of your life. I said, are there consequences? He said, no, like you wouldn't like die or get diabetes or it's like, no, just that's what you're going to eat. You get all the nutrients out of it in this what if situation. I said, yeah, cheesecake, period, cheesecake. That's smart. I like it. I think I would do sesame chicken with fried rice. I, the one dude did say uh, chicken and rice. But no, I want sesame chicken and fried rice. It's specifically Chinese sesame chicken and fried rice. Because it's sweet, so I get that. But it's also savory, so I get that. Yeah. Mm. But cheesecake's a pretty smart answer. I'm like, it's filling, dude. You need like two pieces, and you're good. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know. And then you get just hungry enough to, like, well, I mean, cheesecake, it tastes delicious. You know, I... And unless you have some kind of like aversion to something, like I don't think you're ever going to get, well, I guess maybe if you have some kind of dairy problem, maybe, but I mean, you said no consequences, so cheesecake. <laughs> I like it. So that the answer to all of the world's problems is cheesecake. Absolutely. That's what I hear. That's so, what I hear. My mom, I, God forbid she ever figure out how to work a podcast and listen to this. My mom's a terrible cook. <laughs> She's terrible. She thinks uh-huh. she's good, but she's terrible. My mom can make a cheesecake better than any cheesecake you've ever had. I don't care if you went to New York and got a cheesecake. I don't care. It's better than any cheesecake you've ever had. And you don't need blueberries or strawberries or any other dumb shit on top of it. It's the best cheesecake you've ever had. Well, I'd say make that happen, but I might have to see your mom. No, I can make it happen. Make that happen. She used to bake me one, me, just me, one for Christmas every year. That was my Christmas present. So the only thing is, for whatever reason, she always cracks the the cheesecake because she actually does bake it. Mm Because if you're not baking, it's not a cake. Um, (laughs) I know we've been over this on Facebook. Um so it always cracks across the top, and she always sure. gets upset. But I'm like, I really don't care because this is my cheesecake. I'm not going to cut it. I'm just going to eat the the cheesecake with a fork off of the plate, the whole cheesecake. <laughs> so it explains so much about your health. <laughs> I mean, I never ate one of a whole cheesecake in a day. Well, that's great. I have eaten one in a week. <laughs> so. And it's not a small cheesecake. It's quite a big cheesecake. So, you know, every day for breakfast, cheesecake. Mm. Never got tired of it. So I will make it happen this year. You will at least get a slice. I can't guarantee you'll get more than that. Me and Katie can share because she likes cheesecake probably even more than I do. Well, I'll make sure you both get equal slices. So. Mm. We're willing to share so we don't sacrifice, you know, your 90% of a cake. And I will eat eight-tenths of a cheesecake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I am exhausted. No, you got to answer the question. You don't get to go without answering the question. The food question? Oh, you said sesame chicken. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I did answer the question. Sorry, I I forgot. (laughs) Sesame chicken with fried rice. That's that's the meal. I think that's that's all right, I guess. Is it a cheat? No, I mean, really, you can only make sesame chicken one way. So, yeah, I guess you could do it fried or not fried. But the the deal is, you get it from different restaurants. Though restaurants make it different ways. 
So some everyone fries it a little different, and so that's that would be the the slight variation that you could have is a, the way it's cooked is a little different from place to place. Yeah, I don't know. I could say that. That's like getting yeah. a pizza. Like I'll eat pizza, but I'll just get pizza from different places every yeah. day. So yeah, yeah. I have like two places I like sesame chicken from a lot, and then a couple other places that are like my there they'll they'll do. And there's one or two I'm like, don't order sesame chicken from here because that is not sesame chicken. Um, if you have time, please, 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 this week, will you watch Beautiful Girls? Between now and next time? Yes. Um, I think I can make that happen. It's not a three-hour epic, so I can do that. It's fairly short. And after watching this, I was just I really wish he'd just watch this movie. I've been telling him probably since... We met. Yeah, that you need to see this movie. Yeah, no, I'll I'll do it. It's um, it'll help me with my rankings because Natalie Portman, um, will uh, she's tied right now with Tilda Swinton at number twenty five on my top watched actresses of all time. So I'll get her at uh, she'll be number twenty four. It has Rosie O'Donnell in it too. I don't think she's gonna crack my rankings. <laughs> it also has Uma Thurman in it in a fairly big role. She's working towards my rankings. She's so, close. There you go. See that that that's two. I love it. Well, yeah, man. Well, uh, I will work on that. I'm going to go lay down and watch Making It and fall asleep because it's been a long week. It's been a long week. I'm going to go watch Castle Rock and then probably have fucked up dreams. Not as sad as my dreams. Uh, I'm not sad. I never have sad dreams. I had a dream last night that Ryan wanted us to start a podcast about Seinfeld, and I was like, why? What's uh. the deal with the Seinfeld podcast? <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I think I dream like sad French movies. <laughs> um, everyone out there, including you and my dreams, have a better tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Bye.